Front Porch Radio presents Circle Unbroken with Taft Ayers. I was standing by my window on one cold and cloudy day when I saw that hers come rolling for to carry my mother away. Welcome back to Circle Unbroken. I am your host, Taft Ayers, joined alongside my good buddy, Coach Mike. How are you today? Mike? I am doing fantastic today. How are you doing? I am good, brother. I like I like fantastic. I, I hope that everybody we encounter today has that same response, or if they don't, we maybe can teach them how to be fantastic, <laughs> man. I think that's important. Um, today's episode, we are talking about the idea of looking around and taking inventory of those people that are around you and those people that maybe need to be around you. And we're going to explain that a little bit more. I think sometimes we get so busy and we get so driven that we don't take a time to think about the way that we're called to act, the way that we're called to treat other people. And it's something that I spend a lot of time teaching my kids, but it's not something that I spend a lot of time practicing myself, being aware of the open seats around me. And I don't mean just in a restaurant, but I mean positions in life, being aware of opportunities that are around me. And I want to present today an idea that a little bit of awareness goes a long way. When I take time to take a beat or to pause and to look around and say, you know what, this is an opportunity for somebody else here. This is an opportunity for somebody else to experience something. If I can get over myself and look around and say, hey, there is an open chair, there's an open seat here for somebody else to advance, somebody else to grow, it's going to make me a better, ultimately it's going to make me, I always cringe at the term better Christian, because <laughs> this is not a race or a competition like in that sense of the word, but it will make me more attractive in my witness when I'm trying to talk to other people about what's important. It will make me a better employee when it comes to being a team member of an organization. It'll make me better at home when I look around and think there's opportunities for other people. Just to catch you up here on Circle and Broken, we like to spend time talking about faith, business, and community, and how you can be a better asset to all three of those things in your life by implementing those things and making sure that the circle is unbroken in your life so that you are complete, so that you are whole. And that's what we're trying to do with people on a constant basis. The The episode from yesterday and then today's episode are both a little bit more, I'm going to say topical when it comes to the Bible, but they're a little bit more preachy than normal. And I spent a lot of time on yesterday's episode qualifying that telling people, hey, if you don't read the Bible, if you don't believe in the Bible, there are still very applicable teachings in this book. And I think that's something that a lot of the world just misses because Christians over years have maybe done a poor PR job um, with what the Bible teaches, saying, hey, this can actually benefit your life. Now, ultimately, 
We want you to have your life benefited. We want you to acknowledge that Jesus is your Savior. We want you to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And I'm not speaking doctrine here. I'm just talking to people. We want you to be baptized. Uh, We want you to be people that proclaim the name of Christ. Like That is my ultimate goal in life. That is not what this podcast is set up to strictly do, but I never want to be somebody that's not clear about his intentions. You know, in everything I do, I want Jesus to be on the forefront. So, so I'm, I'm not uh, taking anything away from that or diluting that. But I do think as believers, we have not done our job. So if you're not a believer and you're hearing this today, I probably haven't done my job to the fullest extent if this stuff really matters to me by telling you that your life can be enriched. That, that your life can be better on a daily basis by just looking at the teachings of Jesus. And if that leads to something further, then it's my belief that everybody wins. And so that, that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to give another story. We gave an Old Testament story yesterday from 1 Samuel 25. And today we're going to go to Luke 14. I want to do one Old Testament and one New Testament. And the whole reason that I wanted to do this was not just to bring you a preaching hour on a podcast or if you're listening in a car today that you would just have your, you know, your Bible hour with Taft. That, that's not my whole intent. But I wanted to bring two religious messages, two spiritually rooted messages in this week that is leading up towards an Easter Passover celebration for many people because I think it's important. I think it's important to pause and to look at the Old Testament story we told yesterday And then today, a parable that Jesus gives that makes great application. If you don't know much about the teachings of Jesus, one of my favorite things about him is that he told stories. He told stories. He used stories that were rooted in modern-day culture. Um, He used stories about agriculture. He used stories that were applicable to taxes, to things that people were talking about on modern-day money. Jesus did not have, hear this, Jesus did not have his head in the sand. A lot of people have painted a picture of a Jesus like that who said, the world will hate you. Yeah, he did. Um, A Jesus who said, you know, when they do, don't worry, a prophet is without honor in his own home. I don't have a place to lay my head. Yeah, he said those things. However, Jesus didn't bury his head in the sand. Jesus knew what was going on during the times. Jesus knew things that were happening in the temple. He knew different government teachings, or excuse me, government laws. He knew the different things that were happening. And sometimes he really, really cared about those in context. Other times Jesus said, you know what, that that means nothing to me. And so when you look at the teachings of Jesus, it's really, uh, I'm going to use a really deep word here, folks. You ready? It's really neat. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. It's neat the way that Jesus talked and then the things that he said. And so we're going to go to Luke 14 here. And I want to read actually the whole chapter of Luke 14. It's got some length to it. But I want to read the beginning to give you some context into a story Jesus tells about a great parable and a great banquet that took place. And you're going to see how this applies to your communities, your churches, and your businesses today. So indulge me, Luke 14, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass when he went, this talking about Jesus, when he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees on a Sabbath to eat bread, that they were watching him. And behold, there was before him a certain man that had, I'm reading from from the ASV version, that had the dropsy 
Okay, so you've got Jesus encountering a man with a great ailment. And Jesus answering, spake unto the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they held their peace. And he took him and he healed him and he let him go. Jesus knew, and this is what I want to tell everybody for a second here, just to paint a picture. Jesus knew that you weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath according to their laws. And he also knew that they were going to try to trick him. He knew that when he did good, uh, when he did the right things, or when he helped people, that the Pharisees at the time were going to try to trip him up. And so Jesus says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? And nobody says anything. So he takes the man and he heals him. Translation, for those of you listening and keeping up right now, Jesus did, quote, work on the Sabbath by doing this. But here's what he says. He said to them, which of you should have an ass or an ox fall into a well and will not straight away draw him up on a Sabbath day? Here's what he says. Which ones of you would let one of your animals fall into the ditches and you say, oh, I can't get them out. I can't do work. It's the Sabbath. Jesus draws a very strong illustration here, and they could not answer again unto these things. And then he told a parable to those that were bidden when he marked how they chose out the chief seats. And so Jesus, first of all, tells them, okay, don't, don't get on to me for healing this guy on the Sabbath because here's what I know. If you had a donkey, an oxen that fell into the ditch, you would rescue him. And this is a human being. All right, this is, this is next level. This is better than that, more important than that. And then you see a pivot with Jesus. Jesus teaches them this, kind of kind of silences them. And then he has a hard pivot. And it says, Jesus notices then how they chose their seats. And for those of you that are, that are tuning in for us right now, you have all picked a seat before. Uh, one of the things we do all the time is when we go to a car, what do we yell out, coach? It's shotgun. Shotgun. <laughs> I told two guys from our company the other day, we were getting into a car, and there was a little bit of talk over who was going to have the front seat. And I said, guys, I never call shotgun. I never call the front seat. Because growing up, my parents split when I was younger. And on, in one household, I was an only child. In one household, I was the oldest of five. So translation, I got to sit up front whenever I wanted as the oldest and also as an only child. And so for the rest of my life, I'll never call front seat. I got plenty of it growing up, you know. But we, we do. We, we fight over seats. Um, those of you that are listening today that have a church background, you've seen people do some pretty crazy things about their seats. Don't sit in their pew. No, you can't do it. Coach, years ago I was at a church in Memphis and I was preaching, okay? And I can only hope they're not tuned into this podcast. But I was, I was preaching – and one of the members, I want to try to keep it gender neutral here in, in the story. One of the members was a uh, real estate agent. And they always wore their name tag, their real estate agent name tag, to church services. And that always kind of drew me off a little bit. But they said, well, you never know who's going to call. And I'm always working. And I was, ah. It was a little weird to me to wear your real estate agent tag to church. But but that, that was free of charge here and there, just a side note to the story. That person loved, uh, an emphasis here, loved their seat. Their seat, when I was preaching, would be in the far back left, okay, far back left of the uh, auditorium. 
And they were a good place for me to look because they, as a public speaker, you, you see people that have head nods and really good listening faces. And they were one of those people. They would always look and appear engaged. What I do know is that can be deceiving because I know other people that listen to my whole message intently, but their face looks terrible. <laughs> they, so, so anyway, I'm giving you all the stuff here today. Well, back in the left corner was a place I liked to look because they had good listening faces. And one day I look back and someone had come, and they had beaten the real estate agent to church. And unbeknownst to this, you ready, visitor, all right, this visitor, folks, unbeknownst to that visitor who just came in, and what they do? They take a seat on the back row. Take a seat on the back row, and now let's be real. It could have been they didn't want attention. Sometimes going into a church service for the first time for somebody, they don't walk down to the front row. You don't fight for the best seat like a concert, right? Like you just, hey, I'm going to get on the back row and try to do the worship thing. So I don't, I don't know the whole story there. But they went to sit down on the back row. And, Coach, when they did, here comes about, man, halfway through the service. Maybe they closed a big real estate deal. I don't know. That was terrible. Why did I say that? Uh, but they came in and saw the person sitting in their seat. Well, as I'm preaching, I watched them motion for that person to scoot down and probably told them that was their seat. Well, guess what? The people didn't move. These people did not move. They may have not understood it. It may have not been whispered clearly. And I watched the real estate agent, like my seven-year-old, sit down and wedge their backside into the seat and scoot the other person down. I can't even make this up. And scoot them down because if you're not going to move, I'm going to show you, using my rear end, pun totally intended, um, that this is where I sit. Now, that's crazy, right? (laughs) I I agree with you. (laughs) Yeah, it's nuts. (laughs) Unfortunately, I've seen something similar, so. Coach, I, 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 here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stop. The, I, was, I was preaching a sermon. I wanted to stop the sermon and go, what are you doing? You know, the sad part is when you got hundreds of people in a room like that, you preach, everybody settles, you finish your lesson. Somehow, some way, that visitor made it out, and I don't know if I ever saw him again. And I don't know Probably if Probably not. I, I wouldn't think so there. And as I am telling this story here, there's a little humor to it. Because of what I saw and how ridiculous it was. And as I painted this picture for you all um, that are tuning in and listening, it, it's it's ridiculous. And you can kind of giggle and go, morons. But the reality is that if that person is telling the story somewhere else today, they could say, I tried to do the church thing. And let me tell you what these Jesus followers did. They fought me over a seat. I mean, they, they literally pushed me down physically because I had taken their seat. And I think about this with what Jesus is going to do in Luke 14, because Jesus looks at how they're picking their seats. And here's what he says to them. He says, when you go to a marriage feast, this is Luke 14, verse eight, sit, don't sit down in the chief seat, because if you sit down in the chief seat, if you sit down in the good seat, the important seat, what would happen if an honorable person came to you? and told you that you're not supposed to sit there. If that happened and they came to you and told you not to sit there, you would be 
embarrassed and you would have to move to the lowest seat from there. But here's what he says. Instead of that, when you're invited to a wedding feast like this and there's a, there's a seat, Jesus tells him this. He says, go in and take the lowest seat. Go in and take the seat or the spot that's of a low position so that you give somebody an opportunity, and I love this, you give somebody an opportunity to come in and to upgrade you. Now, I think that's really cool because Jesus is telling them, hey, don't go in and think so much of yourself. Don't go in and think so much of yourself that you're going to take the high seat because here's what can happen. If you go in and you try to take the high seat, he tells them, you could be embarrassed. And you could be embarrassed by this. But he says, when you do this, I want you to go in and I want you to take the low seat. And here's what he says, so that you could be upgraded. Now, Jesus tells this story on purpose. The reason that he tells this story on purpose is he wants people to think and he wants people to really pay attention to where you view yourself and where you put yourself. And then there's a part here in Luke 14 when he tells them to take the low seat and somebody comes up to you and says, friend, move up to a better seat. He says in verse 11, for all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He tells us to look around and say, hey, don't take yourself so seriously. Hey, don't don't have to give all the compliments or have to boast or have to put yourself up here because it gives nobody else the space to upgrade you. It gives nobody else the space to compliment you. And I try to teach my children this. I try to say, hey, don't tell everybody how great you are because then there's nothing for them to say. If you, if you tell everybody how awesome you are, and, and guys, you're probably thinking about this at work right now. There's somebody who tells you how wonderful they are, how great they are. Well, if you spend all your air doing that, you spend all your time telling somebody how wonderful you are, when, when do they get a chance, we always say, get a word in edgewise, when do they get a chance to compliment you? They don't. And so take the humble position, and then somebody else can step in, and somebody can, can do something about it. Somebody can upgrade you. And what we want to do before the break here, I want to read on down through verse 14, because we want to get to the story of the parable of a great banquet. But then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. And some of you are going, then who do I invite? <laughs> if I'm going to do this, that, that's pretty much my list. He says, if you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will, re- you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. We're going to pause there because when we come back, we're going to see the story that Jesus tells of a great banquet. And, and remember all these things that Jesus has said so far. Don't take yourself so seriously. Don't take the high position here. Allow space for people to compliment you and upgrade you. He says, when you invite somebody to a banquet, when you invite them in, um, make sure you invite people that cannot help your bottom line. Invite the people that cannot pay you back. Put yourself out there so that you can be humbled. Other people can be humbled. And when we come back, we are going to read and you're going to hear about the parable of the great banquet. And you're going to see some modern day applications to faith, business, and community. When we come back here on The Circle Unbroken.
Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. This is Elk Kennedy. The old saying is, happy wife, happy life couldn't be more true. Many years ago, my wife, Mary Susan, had major surgery on her back but continued with chronic pain. Doctors were saying invalid, disabled. But then she found the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, and Chronic Pain in Franklin, Tennessee. It has changed our lives. We visited there recently with Dr. Wendy Tui, saw the -the state-of-the-art facilities. Folks, don't take a pill. Call Dr. Gill. Go to callmepainfree.com. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Well, We are back here on Circle Unbroken. I'm your host, Taft Ayers. As always, I've got my man, Coach Mike, next to me. Good day, sir. Good day. We have been deep in Luke chapter 14 right now, talking about how you have to take a position or how it's best for you to take a position of humility so that other people can upgrade you, so that other people can have an opportunity to compliment you. Because sometimes when we are so arrogant and we just look out for number one, 
we can fall, we can falter. Um, I have been so guilty of this in my life. And so we're, we're telling a story today about looking at what it means to A, be humble, but B, to be a person that, that looks around you and says, you know, maybe I need to do things in my life that bless other people, that give other people opportunities where I can help them laterally. And then, you know what, if I advance, I advance. But I think a lot of times we get so busy and we get so bent on our success, on our advancement, almost on this vertical, if you will, if we're painting a picture for you, that horizontally we, we never look around us and we never have an opportunity or create an opportunity to help other people. I think that's yeah. so important, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, I said before on one of our other episodes, uh, very, very few things happen in your mm-hmm. life alone. Sure. You know, any success or failure for that matter, but but, but su- usually success is because somebody around you helped you. Right, right. Family member, friend, colleague at work or something like that. Um, if you remember that about yourself, remember that about other people as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And you become that facilitator for their success. You know, it works both ways. It, it, it's kind of like that, you know, what is it, the three-strand the, the, the three cord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes stronger when you interweave. Uh, you know that those interactions help so much, and uh, you you've got to. Sometimes you're the one that's got to forge them. <laughs> I think that I think that's exactly right, and it, and it's it's about being discerning. It's about looking around and saying, you know what, I I like you said, coach, I can't do this alone, and so why would I choose to isolate other people? Or, or why? I mean, I can be a tool or an asset to yeah. them. The same way I need tools and assets in my life. So if you're tuning in just now, we are going to Luke chapter 14. And we're, we're going to look at a parable. And, and for those of you that don't know, we're going to look at a story that Jesus tells. And he makes an application here. It's Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. And here's what he says. So here's the scenario. Jesus is teaching. Jesus has told people, hey, make sure you pick a seat, a lower seat, so that somebody can say, hey, move up as opposed to picking a seat of honor and somebody telling the person, "Um, excuse me, you don't belong here because that's embarrassing. All right, so when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus looks at him and says this, that reminds me, I've got a story. That reminds me of something. (laughs) Yes, and so Jesus launches right in here, and here's what he tells him. He says, and so those of you in Radio Land, I want you to get this picture here. Jesus says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. And so I want you to picture this. You've, you've got a master. You've got a man preparing a great banquet, and you've got somebody here. Uh, newsflash. Opulent people prepared great banquets. Um, those of us that were balling on a budget. Those of us that are shoestringing it, um, those people are not typically the ones that are going to prepare a great banquet, at least without any assistance. Okay, so a man, and we could add for emphasis, a wealthy man, was preparing a great banquet, and he invites many guests. And so here's how this worked at the time, as Jesus tells this story. At this time, when you would prepare a banquet, you would send out your servants because we couldn't text. You couldn't send out a save the date. And so the banquet is ready. And there's an old church song that comes from this. Um, All things are ready. Come to the feast. Sorry, that was free gas. Uh, But he sends out his servant to tell people that everything has been prepared. 
that everything is ready. And so verse 17, at the time of the banquet, he sends his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But in verse 18, here's what it says. It says, but they all alike begin to make excuses. Let's just pause here for a minute, coach, and talk about excuses. You heard some good excuses in your day? <laughs> I'm a teacher. What okay. do you or I'm a former teacher. What do you think? Guys, guys who are tuning in, <laughs> coach is a teacher, a coach. He's probably heard them all and probably heard some pretty creative ones, right? Oh, yeah. And the thing about excuses is your emphasis on your excuses are terrible. Mine, emphasis on me, my excuses are brilliant. Yeah, well, when I hear somebody else's, they're always bad, okay? But when I tell mine, they're always good. If we quit recording this today and I jumped on the highway, and I jumped on the highway and had to get to my next appointment, and I just dropped the hammer, okay? I just dropped the hammer uh, to get where I need to go, and then all of a sudden I see blue lights. And I see blue lights, and the cop pulls me over, and the cop asks me, he says, Sir, where are you going so fast? Well, number one, I've always wondered, do they really care? But uh, where are you going so fast? The excuse that I'm going to give him is going to be really good. I have to get here because. Okay. And so I'm going to tell him my excuse. I'm going to tell him why I got to get there. I'm going to tell him why. You You guys who are listening right now know exactly what I'm talking about. I've got to get here, sir. I've got to get there ma'am like it's so important for me to be punctual or early or that they're going to start without me or they could never start without me whatever the excuse might be but then let's say i make it to my destination ticket or no ticket i make it to my destination everything goes well and when it's time for me to leave you know what i realize i check the old gps check the clock i got time i got time so you know what i do guys it may be a tuesday afternoon but I take a Sunday drive. I take a Sunday drive casually to get back to my next spot. Maybe I even stop at the Quick Mart and get me a snack. I mean, I am just cruising to get back to my next spot because all of a sudden now I'm not in a hurry. But let you fly by me, and all of a sudden, you know what I say? What is this, Talladega? Like, all of a sudden, I look over and think... There is no excuse for driving that fast. There is no excuse for somebody to roll that way when I was the person who was just given a million-dollar excuses <laughs> earlier. You see, we think excuses are are so good when they're ours. When somebody else makes them, hey, we'll it's, look It's all a matter of perspective. Right. <laughs> it sure is. It it sure is. It's it's who's doing Mine, the telling. Mine's are plaus- mine is plausible and possible mm-hmm. and very unnecessary. Yours, no, you know, you're just in the way, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yours belongs in file thirteen. Mine is a national treasure. <laughs> mine is good. And so here, this is what happens, y'all. They all begin to make excuses of why they can't come to this banquet that is now ready. And I'm going to tell you guys something. If you read the Bible for what it is, you are going to find in the Old Testament and New Testament. You will find humor. You will find humor in the Bible. And I don't mean it's a book of jokes. Don't, don't get me wrong. But you will find humor in the human element and the narrative and the way things are written. And, and these excuses, I'm just going to tell you, these excuses are funny to me, the modern day reader. 
the person giving the excuse, guess what? It was gold, right? So look at this first excuse. And I'm reading this one from the New International Version. The first person giving an excuse says this. I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. So, so their first excuse is, thank you for inviting me to the banquet, but I just bought a field, parenthetically, sight unseen, okay, but it's very important to me, and so I must go and see it. I must go and look at it. This is not even doing work, folks. This is saying, my grass might need cutting. I need to go and look at it. I mean, this is somebody who is making an excuse by saying, I need to go and look at some property as opposed to coming to your banquet. As if that field is going to get up and walk away if you don't go. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. I made a good purchase. I need to check on it before the field moves out. You know, that that, good point, coach. That's not going anywhere. But then they say this, please excuse me. The next person gives an excuse and they level up. Okay. The next person levels up and says this. I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And so you go from, if I use the grass illustration, from looking at the grass, the next person says this, I just bought a zero turn. Okay, I just just bought this mower. I got a bad boy mower, and that's good marketing there from somebody that I'm saying (laughs) bad boy mower. Um, But I just bought this zero turn mower, and I got to go whip it around. I got to go and look. The the response here is, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. What are these people saying to the person throwing the banquet? There's there's something more important than you are Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Yes. And most of these things, again, five yoke of oxen was, that's a a pretty, that's that's a major, you know, that's like us buying a car. Correct. Correct. Definitely. I think I would have inspected them or tried them out before I paid for them. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but now, now I got to go and look. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would think that the person would have already done at least looked things. at them, you know. Correct. Correct. Um, and there's the old adage we make time for the things that are important to us. And so what they're doing right now is they're making time for what's a priority to them. I don't even. I, I I've always gotten the idea that it's there. There's something beyond. Mm-hmm. None of these excuses actually hold water. Right. And so they're coming up with ways that I don't want to come to your banquet. Right. Right. Yep. And you know, and that's and yeah. If, so they're coming up with. They don't want to say that. Right. So they're so coming here's up with. What, here's yeah. what it is. I love the third excuse. The third excuse is great because it's kind of a mic drop. It's kind of a mic drop in our culture because in verse 20, it says, okay, if you guys are keeping up here on a podcast or on the radio show, they're giving excuses. The first one says, I bought a field, can't, got to go look at it, can't come. Second person says, I bought five yoke of oxen, I got to go try them out, please excuse me. Now in verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. It's like, boom, I'm just letting you know. (laughs) And we all know people who have gotten married and fallen off the face of the earth. We all know people that hitched up with somebody else and you said, well, we used to know them, but but now we don't anymore. There's actually an extra biblical piece to this 
uh, for those of you that, that are well-versed in Old Testament, New Testament, there was a law written in the Old Testament that said when a young man took on a new wife that he was exempt. He was exempt from work and he was exempt from military duty for a year. And here's what it said in the Old Testament, y'all. This is kind of cool for all of you new husbands. So that he could, I love this, you ready? So that he could stay home and bring happiness unto his wife. I'm going to let everybody <laughs> fill in the extracurricular <laughs> blank there. Okay? But it was, it was you're exempt. You, you have an exemption. You can stay home. You're exempt from military duty. You're exempt from work for up to a year so that you can stay home and bring happiness to your wife. Wish I could have taken a year-long honeymoon. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I, would this not maybe, I want to say, and I'm not being funny here, I want to say this would help the divorce right now. Um, I want to say that. Now, it might hurt it, but I want to say. It's been in 24 7 right. for a year. Like, that might you need to go do something. No, baby, I'm exempt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to bring happiness unto you. Get out. Right? But so, so here you've got this excuse, though. Just got married, can't come. Um, it's a flat, simple excuse, but also, as we just said, uh, Jesus knowing culture, it's a multi layered excuse. So, verse 21. The servant comes back and reports this to his master. Then the owner of the house, and for those of you that know how to read a parable or those of you that have really experienced one before, when you see someone in a parable that is the master or the father or somebody in the ultimate role as far as hierarchy goes, you can think about this being a representation of God. Okay, And so as you read this and you see this, The servant came back and reported to his master. So thank God here. Then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. And here's what he tells them. And here's where we're going to pause. He tells them to go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town. And here's what he says. And bring in the poor, the crippled the blind, and the lame. Here's what he says. We've invited all the people that should be at the banquet. We've invited all the people that would make good sense to be here. This happens in church church culture all the time. Let's go out and let's find a family of five that maybe is a soccer mom and a dad with a 401k, and they would be a great asset to our church. Quite frankly, our peers. Mm -hmm. Yes, the people that... Look like us, smell like us, talk like us, probably act like us in a lot of ways. And he says, okay, now in his anger, he says, I want you to go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. And I want you to bring me the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. These are people that are adding nothing to your bottom line. These are people that are being invited into the banquet. And let me tell you something else before we go to break here. These are the people that are going to make the banquet functionally harder if i'm bringing blind people crippled people lame people and poor people to my table they're going to make it harder it's going to be difficult but there's a call here to us that i want you to think about and as we go to break here i want this to sit on your heart why does he say this we'll revisit it more when we come back on circle unbroken
Hyundai, a Chrysler Dodge, Jeep Ram, Fiat, you can always count on us for a great selection of late model, low mileage, one owner vehicles. All have been thoroughly inspected and are ready to go. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Looking to sell your vehicle? Great news! We're paying top dollar for your trade. All makes, all models, and in any condition. Trade in and trade up today. At Columbia Chrysler Dodge, Jeep Ram, Fiat, you can count on us. I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. We have advertised with WKRM and WKOM for the past several years and found it to be very successful. I highly recommend advertising with them if you have a local business like ours. We're located at 1608 Hatcher Lane here in Columbia. We're open Monday through Friday from 8 to 6 and Saturdays from 8 to 2. Stop by Holland's for all your prescription needs where we have fast, friendly, courteous service. We custom fit support hoods for you also. Thanks for supporting Holland's and WKRM and WKOM. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Barrett's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Barrett and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Do you use Elf Bars? Old School Vapor has over 100 authentic flavors for only $18.99 each. Check out their other January sales like buy one, get one free for select Tesco bars, 25% off glass pipes and Mike Tyson's Delta 8 bikes, or 50% off smell-proof bags. Go shop Old School Vapor's selection of over 200 cannabis products from brands like Looper, Torch, Hidden Hills, and more. Check them out on Instagram or Google Old School Vapor to find your nearest location. That's Old School Vapor. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. Hey, this is Lewis Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in Middle Tennessee, 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia.
we are back here on Circle Unbroken. I am glad that you are tuning in, or I'm glad that you have downloaded this podcast. I am your host, Taft Ayers, joined as always with my friend, Coach Mike. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, as I said earlier. (laughs) I'm glad to know that we started this show with you doing fantastic, (laughs) and now that we have a segment left, that you are still Still fantastic, and you're not saying, I'm I'm doing worse than I was at the beginning. Um, this this is good. As as we have just jumped in today to Luke 14 to catch everybody up, we are talking about taking a position of humility and not a position of pride um, so that people can upgrade you, people can compliment you, but also looking around and saying sometimes we have to do things that don't make sense. And so we're right in the middle of this story from Luke 14 where it's being told about a great banquet that has been thrown. And a man throws this banquet and he has his servant go out and invite people to the banquet. And they all begin to make excuses. They say, I've bought some land. got to go look at it. I've bought some oxen. Got to go try them out. Um, got married. Can't come. And they all begin to make excuses. And we have all dealt with excuses at work. We've dealt with excuses in our communities. We've dealt with excuses in our churches. And those three things are the three elements to this format here with Circle Unbroken. That once you have excuses, things can fall apart. And so things in this narrative in Luke 14, they're falling apart. They're falling apart. And the master or the owner of the house, and I want you to think about God when you think about this story. He becomes angry. And he ordered his servants to go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. This is a challenge I want those who are hearing today to really feel. The one in charge, the one who's throwing this banquet, is the one who says, they can't come, go out quickly and bring in these types of people. What I want people to understand is that A, that's the mission of the church. When you are doing the gospel the right way, it will look, smell, act, and feel differently. When I am doing the gospel the right way, it will not just attract people that look like me. Now, can people that look like me, act like me, talk like me, smell like me be saved? Absolutely. I mean, 100%. There's no crime in looking around and seeing somebody in the same economic position as me or seeing somebody whose family looks like me. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a huge problem, and an emphasis on huge problem, if that's the only kind of people in the church. If that's the only kind of people in the church, we've got to realize that there is still work to do. When it comes to my job, when it comes to the treasures that my company makes and the the, the margin and the profits that we have, if the whole reason that we are going to work is to make the master rich and is to make the person that owns the company wealthy, then we have no mission. And so if your company today is a company that is all about profit. Now, don't get me wrong. I like profits. Um, if it is all about margin, don't get me wrong. Cause if there's no margin, there's no ministry. Okay. But if those are the only things that drive you and it's just about stacking up, you are stacking up things that are going to burn away and perish. Okay. But looking around and saying we work so that we can add to our treasure so that we can then use our time so that we can bless other people, 
then you've got a cycle here. You've got a cycle that is good. You've got a circle that is healthy. And our communities, if, if in our communities it is all about building the biggest houses and having a great HOA and having these organizations where everything is just clean and tidy and perfect, well, guess what? Would that feel safe? Yeah. But will we really be looking around and looking for opportunities to help those that are hungry, to give opportunities to those people that might need a hand up? You know, we've got to be people that look and that think laterally because, like it or not, there's pain and there's brokenness in this world. And so our challenge today is for people to be people like this master who he has no shame in throwing a nice banquet. Have you noticed that? He doesn't say, well, I'm terrible for being rich and opulent and having food and having a table. But he says, I've got a table. And this is what we started the show with today. I've got a table with open seats. And I've got a table with open slots. And here's who I want to put at that table. And so the response in verse 22 Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. And then I love this, but there is still room. Growing up, I was marketed by, and I know he's taking a turn these days, but I was marketed by J-E-L-L-O and Bill Cosby. (laughs) And those commercials, they would always talk about it. And if you think about it, they would always say, there's still room for J-E-L-L-O. And if you don't think that marketing piece worked, I'm 43 And I'm telling about that piece as a kid. I remember that because it was always the idea. What their marketing exec said is that Jell-O or pudding, they're not filling. And and so people would say they're not real desserts. They're not real Mm -hmm. snacks. They're not real treats. So the people there came up with a, you know what? You're right. There's no real substance to this. So there's always room for them. And all of a sudden you had a marketing piece to that. Here, what they say is, hey, what, what you've ordered has been done. We have gone out. And we have invited those people, but there is still room. There is not a church. And, and those of you that are tuning in to Circle Unbroken, I want you to know this. This is, a, this is an advertisement at this point. But as a part of Kennedy Broadcasting, one, one of my roles as a team member here is uh, I am open and available to come and teach at churches, to teach at businesses, to teach at community organizations. And one of the things that I will talk about is the concept of there is room. There is room in your churches for more people to attend and to be saved. Here's what I want people to know. Every church should have a parking problem if we are living out the gospel. In every business, there is still room for margin. No business that I go and talk to says we've made enough money. No business says we have hit the success point where we're good. No, no, we still want to grow. There is still, what they say here, there is still room. There's no community that I go and talk to an organization and they say, you know what? We're killing it. We are killing it in our club. We're killing it in our governmental structure to the point where things are about as good as they could ever be. Uh, We don't want to have a new vision and we don't want to have new development. Everybody can always get better. You, You can always do better. And so in verse 22, they say, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. And then here's what the master says in verse 23. The master then tells his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in. And here's what I love if you're listening to this right now. Compel them to come in. Some translations will say convince them. There's even a translation out there that says 
constrain them. Almost sounds violent, right? <laughs> but it says, but get them to come in. And this is what I love. He says this, so that my house will be full. And when we talk about full house here, I'm not talking about the old show, yeah. right? From San Francisco. I'm talking about there is a master. There is a guy throwing a banquet who is in charge. And in keeping with his liberality, he wants it to be full. I hope that those people that are hearing this right now, no matter how you've been burned or touched or broken by religion, I hope if you are in that space, you hear this today and know that there is a master. And I mean that in the healthiest of terms. There is a master who wants all believers to go out to the roads, to the country lanes, meaning go out to the places that are off the beaten path. Go out to places that people aren't banging down the doors on all the time. And I want you to bring in the poor, the lame, the blind, the broken, because here's what he says. There is still room, and I want my house to be full. I want to talk about that in the church space for a minute, Coach. What can we do with this message right here? What what can we do today when we hear this to change our modern-day church landscape? Any thoughts that have popped up to your mind here? Uh Boy, that's, I mean, really the sky's the limit. I mean, it's, it's, it's going, you know, literally go out and, and to, to talk to these people. We tend, uh, as this story illustrates, we tend to invite the ones that were invited were people like him. Right. You know, they had the money to buy the land. They had the money to buy the oxen. Getting married, you know, getting married was a big deal. Sure. They, you know, it was a week long event and all that stuff. And then, you know, they all turned him down. Correct. Correct. And so he goes to the outliers. Mm-hmm. He goes to the people who aren't like him anymore. Because, hey, I'm going to have a banquet and I'm going to have a full house. Right. One, one way or the other, yes. I'm going to have a full yes. house. Uh, I, I, you know, I know, you know, it's a very pointed story at the Pharisees and the Sadducees of, hey, you're the ones that should know what this right. invitation means. You're the ones that should know, you know, that should be coming because you're the ones supposedly looking for this Savior, this Messiah and stuff like that. And here he is, and and, and you keep finding ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. You want to turn me down? Mm-hmm. I'm going to the outliers. And to their eyes, it was the Gentiles. It was the lame. It, it, there was a long-held belief that if you were lame, sick, you know, you know there was a re, you know, you were sure. some, you you did something in your life to cause all this stuff to happen. And he's like, I'm going to go to these people because they're going to listen. They're going right. to come in and they're going to enjoy the feast. They're going to enjoy the fruits of my labor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which you know, if you again, you you. You you take that out, then you know, master equals God. The right. fruits of my labor as God is heaven. And he, and that's and there's you know we, we, as a youth group you know in high school one of the the neat I think we had a theme mm-hmm. you know and we had a little T shirt with a the shadow we have shadows you know and, and it was a shadow of a crowd but the, one of the shadows was an outline right it was a white outline instead of a shadow. And the theme was there's always room for one more. 
Sure. Sure. And, you know, that one more, we need to fill that gap. We need to fill that shadow. We need to fill that shadow. And that was, you know, for, for a whole year, basically, we, you know, that was our operating theme. There's always room for one more. Okay, hey, can I, yeah, there's always room for one more. Can I invite this? Yeah, come on, you know. And uh, and, and that's exactly what this parable is, is saying. It's in it, and it's it's healthy when you when you think that way. When you when you think from a healthy sense like that, it's it's making you outwardly focused. It's making you look and say, "Hey, this is not just for the qualified." Because newsflash, none, none of, of us, us are, and so that's that's healthy religion. When you say, "Hey, none of us deserve," and this. the ones that were the closest to being quote unquote qualified turned him down Mm -hmm. yep those people that made the most sense made the excuses the people that were invited in that were harder cases the people that didn't make a lot of social sense those were the people that when they were invited he said okay this is making this complete this is how i wanted to do it and then he says something very interesting to me at the end here in verse 24 after he says make them come in he says, I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Newsflash for all of us. We serve a loving God who we don't want to make angry. We serve a loving God that we want to say it's an honor to even be at your table. It's an honor to even be in this family. And when he says, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. I remember years ago getting invited to something at a church and I made an excuse. And I told the guy why I couldn't come. And I said, I'm sorry. And he goes, Oh, don't apologize to me. It's not my party. And I was like, Whoa, you just next leveled me, right? Like you're saying, <laughs> I'm inviting you in the name of the Lord. So wrapping up today, I want people to hear this. And I do want you to hear this for church for business and community because those are the areas that we want to touch. And what I want your challenge to be is this challenge. Look around. See the open seats. See people that you can invite in, that you can add into your mission that might not make a lot of sense initially, but will make your head hit the pillow at the end of the day and think we're doing something that matters. Explore the ways that you can help other people. Explore the ways that you can fill up the house to use this parable today. And think about how you can make your community stronger, your business better, and your church actually live out the mission that you've been preaching and talking about for years. Hope you've been challenged today, and I really hope that as you think about the circle unbroken, you will be able to look and say, you know what, I can find opportunities to upgrade other people the same way that God has upgraded me. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Circle Unbroken. Oh,